Hey guys, I am Richa and welcome to another episode of Career Brew. Michelle Obama once said, "The benefits of studying abroad are almost endless." With this in mind, I am excited to introduce to you the guest for today, Akshay Vasan. Akshay is currently interning at Tesla while studying at Purdue University USA. Yes, you heard it right. So, if you like me are dreaming the dream, trust me, this is a conversation you can't miss. Akshay tells us about his trials and errors, the efforts, reflection and courage it took to make decisions, how he chalked out the path, stressing on the fact that you are not alone, and how studying abroad is capable of changing you in the best possible way. So, let his experience inspire us today. Hello Akshay how are you I'm doing good Richa how are you guys doing Good good so currently you are interning with uh, Tesla which is a super dream category company what is it like to intern with them Wow I think the best question was not saved for the last was it <laughs> It's it's really great Tesla is an amazing company to work at and um, they are really doing some um, revolutionary work and uh, I think it's fascinating that it took a startup company to revolutionize a field which was dominated by these giant automotive companies which have been present here since the past um, 100 to 150 years and tesla has grown within the past 12 to 13 years to become the player in the electrical vehicles market that is unmatched by any other company so yeah it's it's amazing the people work really hard um, i've seen some really ambitious people out here and um i've seen some of the best teams that i've ever worked with working at tesla so it's been two months since i started interning here and so far it's been good to my understanding mechanical engineering requires a lot of field work so how are you managing in these unprecedented corona times so my work in particular um doesn't require me to be on site a lot it's because um so let me tell you uh, my role so i'm a supply chain planning intern more towards the warehousing and distribution side so most of the work that i do i just require a laptop to do it and um in times of um, the virus many companies around the world have started um obviously employees can't come on site and work so they've started sending out their company laptops and those laptops can connect to the server of the respective company and you can access all the databases that you require to work with so at least for um jobs like mine which do not require me to go on site all the time it really doesn't matter much but you are right in the in that sense there are some jobs which require people to still go on site and in the us at least many companies are functioning offline so they have resumed their operations because everyone knows that the virus is not going away anytime soon but what they have done is they've kind of increased the precautions that they're taking so everywhere you find a lot of form um, hand sanitizers and people are encouraged to stay away from each other with a distance of 6 feet and also wear a mask so on site jobs have resumed but like i said i deal a lot with data analysis and planning of the supply chain so it just requires me to communicate with my team um through microsoft teams and do my work with the laptop so it's pretty much sorted in that avenue um so you mentioned about data analysis and planning but what is it exactly that you do for tesla okay so 
like I said, I'm more towards the warehousing and distribution side. So there's an entire supply chain devoted to servicing existing customers' needs. So there's one supply chain which deals with production. Say there's um, the production facility which requires automotive parts to be assembled, right? So you get the parts from warehouses. Warehouses store these parts and they send it to the factory for production as and when required by the factory. And the factory will tell its requirements based on what the customer requires. If a customer wants a car delivered in a week, the the factory will plan accordingly. So this is the production supply chain. What I work with is the service supply chain. In a sense, what that means is to back it up a bit. Most automotive companies like sell their cars and they have their dealers that sell those vehicles. But then say I am buying a Skoda or say I'm buying a Maruti Suzuki. You can service your car when it gets repaired in any local mechanic or garage shop. You don't need to go to the service center. But with Tesla, since it's an electrical vehicle manufacturer and it's the first of its kind, you don't have a lot of mechanics that service um, Teslas and because the build is completely different. So in a sense, you need to take the Tesla to a Tesla service center. And if you repair the Tesla through any other person who is not affiliated with Tesla, um, you will lose your warranty. So Tesla owners don't want that. So when, when the existing customer wants to take the Tesla for service, they might require parts uh, which are needed for service or they might require accessories to kind of uh, modify their vehicle. So these parts are stored in such warehouses which are called service warehouses. So it's in essence, it's the same as the production supply chain, but it deals more with um, the service aspect of the company. So in a sense, there are two different goals. The production supply chain deals more with how to get new customers and how to sell your vehicles to them. But the service supply chain, which I work with, it deals more with making existing customers happy. Coming to my role, so it's more of industrial engineering towards warehousing and distribution side. So what my team does, and my team is the distribution and strategy team in Tesla, Uh, for the service supply chain. So it plans warehouses based on future demand. So based on how much demand is coming from which region, you plan your warehouses with the goal to deliver products to customers within one day or whatever that baseline is set. It can be one day, it can be two days. Currently with Tesla, the service supply chain deals with servicing existing customers' needs within one day. So based on that, you plan your future warehouses. Where do I set my warehouse? Uh, When do I set it? When do I open it? And when does it become ready to kind of service customer needs? And to do all that, you need to plan. And you don't need to, you may not have to plan it just for this year. You may have to plan it for the next five to 10 years, right? So say I open a warehouse in one location in the context of India, let's say I open a warehouse in Mumbai. That warehouse should be big enough not to service customers just this year, but also for the next five years, right? So you can't, you can't make a warehouse just thinking about this year's demand. You need to plan for the next five to 10 years and how it will grow. So your warehouse should be big enough um, and you may feel it's big enough um, and you'll feel like it's it's it has a capacity way more than is currently required, but it's for a reason because in the future, the demand will increase and your warehouse should have the capacity to support it. So my team does that. It plans where you have to build warehouses based on the demand. And currently we're working on um, launching seven to eight different warehouses in the next five to six months. Some of them are in the United States. Some of them are in Norway. Some of them are in China. So it's it's a meticulous planning with a lot of different nuanced components associated with that. So that's what my team does on a high level. 
I have been assigned the responsibility of three warehouses. So one of them is in California, one of them is in Seattle, and the third one is in Mexico. My job in the team is to make sure that the warehouses that they plan and launch, it's the layout is designed well, and I synergize with the other teams and make sure the processes are set up. You're currently studying in Purdue as well, and that is a very big name in the postgrad education scenario. How is the mm-hmm. experience studying at this institute? It's really great. So right off the bat, I can think of some factors. Purdue has a great infrastructure. It's Purdue's primarily known for its aerospace, mechanical, and industrial engineering programs. Like there are other programs which are equally good, but then more for its aeronautical and mechanical programs. And Purdue has a record for producing the most number of astronauts for a non-military institution. Generally, you have astronauts being trained in uh, military academies, but then Purdue is like one of its kind, which has produced the most number of astronauts being a non-military college. And uh, Neil Armstrong, I'm sure you guys know, he was an alumni of Purdue University. So we have a hall dedicated to him called Neil Armstrong Hall of Engineering. So he's a pretty popular name. And because of that, and since aeronautical engineering developed in a way which Purdue really represents the value of it, and the brands that I'm pursuing is industrial engineering and uh, industrial has a lot of ties to mechanical as well. So it's been great so far. And like I said, the infrastructure is good. Professors are really supportive and they encourage you to do better. There are a lot of research projects which um, are accessible to you and it's up to you. I mean, it's it's an open playground and you can just choose whatever you want to specialize in. There's really no core requirements. There's no compulsion. No one is going to tell you to take something. And within industrial engineering itself, there's like four to five different avenues which you can specialize in. Or you can do a mix of everything and make a all-rounder profile and you can apply to whatever role suits more for you. So, yeah, that's that's it about Purdue. And so you have studied mechanical engineering from VNIT. So after that, you went to Purdue to do industrial engineering. What difference? do you see between the education here and the education abroad or some social aspects that you learned more from getting this global perspective of things? So, I mean, I can just give you um, in the context of the virus itself, it, it took some time for VNIT to transition from a normal educational model to going online. It took um, like about three to four months, I guess. Everything is so well planned out. Everything was already established online, be it from um, teaching lectures and rec- uh, recording those and uploading them online to having your um, assignment submissions. All of those were already going on online. And because of the virus, they kind of made that network more stronger and more robust. So that is one difference I can point out is they have the money here to support such massive changes. Here with the amount of capital they have, uh, they kind of made the changes within like a week or two after the virus started spreading. So education was not really hampered in any way. And uh, that is that is something which is common with all colleges of the United States. That's one difference I can point out. The second difference being, like I said um, earlier, is you don't, you're not compelled to take any subjects. You can take subjects based on what you're interested in. So it's really you kind of being the master of your own destiny. So that is a level of freedom that you may not necessarily have in India, which is not a wrong thing because a lot of students, when they come to these undergraduate colleges in India, they don't know what they want to do. But a master's level college is different in that sense that they expect students, and obviously they know students have gone through this four-year rigorous um, training and undergraduation, 
they expect students to be wiser to be able to make these selections on their own without being spoon fed that's also a difference and in general i feel professors are more supportive and encouraging um you really get to work on real life projects tied up with the industries talking about um, social aspect that you mentioned it's it's always amazing even in vnit i feel you get to pe- talk with people from all over india in the united states um, the same thing but it's people from all over the world so there's just a lot of different perspective on a lot of different things and this is something i've observed is as you keep climbing in the ladder of education you always come across people who are smarter than the previous level so the higher you go the more smarter people come in your environment and it always motivates you to keep pushing yourself beyond what you used to push yourself so in all that sense masters um, as a degree is really more competitive and really more rigorous than an undergraduate degree how did you conclude that masters is what you wanted to do in these undergraduate years we're all very confused about what we want to do after the final year gets over whether a job an mba ms or so when and how did you decide that an ms in industrial engineering was exactly how you wanted to go forward well it was a no brainer for me because i mean i really love learning and i feel learning should never stop irrespective of wherever you are and it helped to have an elder brother at home who before me had gone for his masters so in that sense i had some guidance and clarity earlier than most people have in terms of selecting to pursue a graduate degree and that was really it i mean since my brother had gone before me i thought it was like a given that even i had to go and combining that with my love for learning in general it kind of really consolidated my plan of um, going abroad to study and and another reason because i selected industrial engineering and i'll come to that point in a while um industrial engineering as a masters degree is almost non existent in india industrial engineering as a branch was founded in the united states of america i mean the industrial engineering branch originated in the united states in the 1920s and 30s so naturally uh, no other country has that amount of experience or has that many colleges which provide top class education in industrial engineering so i mean that also answers the question of why i chose united states as my destination coming to answer the part where you you asked me why i selected industrial engineering and um, i think it was more of a elimination of choices rather than selecting one thing so through mechanical um, i feel at least speaking in a general perspective it's more of a research oriented branch than an application oriented branch through mechanical you can do an aerospace or graduate degree you can go into thermal and fluid you can go into nuclear energy you can go into industrial engineering you can also go into automotive engineering so there's like a lot of options that a mechanical degree provides you but i as a person was more always into applying what things are learned i cannot just sit behind a laptop and just keep learning theory industrial engineering as a discipline is application oriented in its essence because it's what you do in an industry what an industrial engineer does is to optimize a process in any factory or a warehouse or any industry there's like thousands of processes going on which are interconnected with each other so i mean there's a lot to do in terms of industrial engineering and any company which makes a product which is tangible which can be seen felt or sensed needs industrial engineers so all these things fascinated me and 
there is a tie between mechanical and industrial engineering in the sense of production. Through mechanical, you can learn production because production is what goes on in a factory. But that production is also tied with industrial engineering with all these other techniques of maybe data analytics or operations research or human factors in engineering and all these things. So I see a lot of people from mechanical engineering transit towards industrial engineering in the future because like me, they are more into applying things rather than doing research. So again, in terms of country like India and US, it may be different in terms of what engineers are doing. So many of my friends did a mechanical engineering degree, but ultimately they are working in industries in the capacity of an industrial engineer. So it really depends on where you end up. And it's it's not a hard and fast rule that if you're a mechanical engineering student, you only have research as an option. Most of jobs in India, which are mechanical engineering related, are actually in essence industrial jobs. So how... You answered the part about how you decided uh, you chose industrial engineering, but throughout the years in BNIT, um, there is not much distinction that is being told to us in terms of what this difference is or what you would like to do. So when did when exactly did you conclude that, um, yes, this is what I like? So when I was in my second year, at the end of it, I interned in a company called Mahindra and & Mahindra. And... Uh, so I worked in a factory there, which produces vehicles. And I interned or worked under a lot of people who were industrial engineers. And um, that is when my interest in industrial engineering kind of was born. Talking about how I consolidated my decision of industrial engineering again. So like I mentioned, I was working in Mahindra and Mahindra and I was fascinated with the work industrial engineers do. So that is a starting point. And then I connected with a lot of seniors on LinkedIn, some of them from BNIT itself who had taken a similar route. They did mechanical um, initially and they transited to industrial engineering. So talking with them and talking with the coursework they did in their graduate college and also the work that they were currently doing in the companies that they're working at, it kind of gave me a very clear path as to what I wanted to do. I think I, think, uh, I agree with you when you said that although in VNIT, at least in the mechanical department, there's no clear distinction given between industrial and mechanical. However, it's something uh, you just pick up on based on seeing what your seniors did and kind of talking with them and networking more and, you know, trying to learn things. It's as simple as that. Okay. We did touch up on your internship through this question. So how did you get into those internships and what are the other things that you did throughout college? So in my first year, I came um, not with much expectations of um, dabbling into extracurriculars because I was always academically focused. But in my first year, in my very first semester, um, I was part of Allah Bowl with a stage play and we performed in freshers. And uh, I was part of the street play um, for Arohi and we won that competition. In my second year, I was with this team called Team Velocity and that manufacturers and fabricates a racing vehicle and i think that's a great way to apply what you learn in classrooms to the real world environment so i was a part of the team for one year i was in the suspension department and i was also a part of marketing so that was something which consumed me in my second year but then uh, after that i till that point i had an interest in automotive but then uh, it's something i decided uh, against doing because i did not feel very passionate about it so I kind of changed tracks in my third year. In my third year, I was a mentor um, for 20 undergraduate kids through the student mentorship program. 
and that consumed most of my time with extracurriculars and i think by the end of third year is when i started preparing for the phase of applying for masters and kind of trying to build a profile around it and i didn't really do much in my final year because i mean honestly speaking final years don't give a damn they just they're done with life at college and they just want to get out so we had a final year project though and that consumes a lot of time and along with again if you plan to sit for job placements you prepare for that if you are someone like me who wanted to go for masters right after college you did that you kind of built a profile around it talking about internships in my after the end of second year i did an internship in mahindra and mahindra and that is purely through contacts so i had two to three rounds of interview and i got through them because i could speak about team velocity so in other words it's called a referral so referrals can get you interviews but they may not get you the job and uh, but that was that was what i did in my second year in the third year i interned in indian institute of technology guwahati they had a summer internship program which was more research oriented so i was a manufacturing research intern there and i worked on the process of friction stove welding for a period of two and a half months in guwahati in assam and that was a different experience because i was not used to research and that was my first real experience with research and that was my only experience with research because i thought to myself that that is not something i wanted to do i figured out it was not my thing so but but again no experience is wasted because these are experiences that i used to build my profile to apply for masters so that is something i did after year but um, after final year generally people don't do anything and this is what i did different i since i knew i was going for an industrial engineering degree so what i wanted to do was take some experience before i went for masters and here's what i did i connected with a couple of people in linkedin from this company called reliance retail so for a period of one month i went to this place called bivandi and that is on the outskirts of mumbai so um i went to a warehouse in bivandi and i learned what goes on in a warehouse um, all the operations associated with the warehouse and guess what with my tesla internship interview i could kind of bring that experience to the table so in that sense no experience or no project ever goes to waste is my belief all these internships that you did how essential were they towards building your resume see i feel no one really knows what they want to do four or five years later if you ask me whether i knew i wanted to do industrial engineering i would be lying if i said yes because i made that call at the end of third year so it required meticulous research it required me talking with my seniors who were doing their graduate programs in their respective fields it required me to gain an understanding or a perspective of what things will look like if i do one particular thing right you can't blindly go out for masters because it's a costly affair so you better be sure of what you're doing before you get into it it's not like engineering in india where you know parents send their kids just for um experimental basis and then they branch out to whatever they want to do like an mba or a masters or anything coming to the point of how my internships influenced my going or applying and getting toward you and again like i said those were very impactful and i started my um discussion with telling you that no one knows where they will end up right mm-hmm. so in that sense you do your best you you dabble in a lot of different nodes and experiences me Uh, i dabbled in a lot of different things to kind of assess where my interest and my skills would serve best at right and i arrived at the conclusion that i might be more suitable for a branch which requires some amount of management skills 
some amount of um, application and some amount of research as well. And industrial engineering is a perfect amalg- amalgamation of all these different things combined together. So uh, I think, yeah, I mean, my advice would be it's fine to do something and not know if that's going to be useful because I doubted myself a lot when I was doing those things. I wasn't sure if I wanted to just build my career or my future based on that particular thing I was doing at that particular time. But what I did was I kind of diversified my portfolio and made sure I was getting some experience in many different things before I kind of really focused down um, and narrowed it to one particular branch. From what I got from you is that a lot of trial and error in terms of figuring out what you want to do. Exactly. I mean, you can ask any person who's in their undergraduate college, maybe in their first, second or third year, people hardly know or they're not sure where they end up in. Again, I mean, unless you experience some aspect of what you want to do, you will not be sure of whether you want to do it, right? So again, it's it's just putting yourself out and trying different things. So you already did give us a lot of advice, but are there any more do's and don'ts you would like to add for our undergraduate years in VNIT? <sighs> okay. I mean, the do's would be, of course, these are textbook um, rules of what you're supposed to do as a student is complete your assignments on time, try doing well in the exam and uh, ignore the advice of seniors who say pointer is not important because pointer is important. I was misguided by my seniors when I was just a fresher in my college. So in my first semester, my pointer was 6.67. And I'll tell you, my pointer was solo because I thought that you are supposed to enjoy your life in engineering college which you are supposed to, but you are supposed to maintain a balance. That is the key point here. And when I was in my first semester, a lot of seniors came to me and just to get involvement in different activities, they told me pointer really doesn't matter. And ironically, these were people who themselves had low pointer and they have, they were in no state to give such advice. Um, and I took them very seriously and I just kind of started enjoying my life and I got a very low pointer. And I was seriously disappointed in myself of, getting such a low pointer because I had always been an academically bright student. So I kind of made a resolve to myself that I'd get my pointer above no matter what, right? So um, at the end of my um, eighth semester, I had a pointer of 8.49, which is a huge leap from 6.67, right? So, I mean, I made a resolve that I'd get my pointer up and I knew that I wanted to go for master's and I knew pointer is important. To get a good college, you need a good pointer, right? So. That is what I did. I curated my profile and I worked hard. And uh, and from the discussion that I've had with you, it's not just that I was restrained to academics only. I did a lot of other things regardless. Even though my pointer was less, I involved myself with Taruhi and um, Team Velocity and being a mentor, taking out time to do these things as well. So it, it is not just about studies. The, one of the do's I'd say is build a profile which is holistic and not just narrowed to one thing. And like I said, pointer... Try and even if you you guys who are listening, if you are in your th- second and third year, it's never too late. I mean, you have semesters ahead of you. Uh, just try getting the best uh, that you can. And again, I don't mean to imply that pointer is everything, but it's a very important node in applying towards master's colleges and job applications as well. Because it's a bad thing. I mean, I will never judge someone on their pointer. Because I know pointers are not representative of a person's potential, but that's how the world works, unfortunately. I mean, if any employer sees your grade card, the first thing they'll see in your profile is not what you've done. They'll see your pointer. And and 
it's it's said um, as a common um, saying that a person judges you within the first 10 seconds of you speaking and your grade card is the first thing that comes to an employer's hands and on that basis without even looking at you or looking at your experiences they will have already formed an opinion about you and it will be very hard to change that if you go to an interview right so make sure at least you have a pointer of 7.5 at the minimum so i mean that i think covers most of the do's and don'ts don'ts i mean enjoy your life obviously but then don't get too carried away um, know that you are a student and you're there to make it in life because um, you're still dependent on your parents and you want to be independent as soon as you can right so be a bit serious about academics in your life in general chill as at the same time because i have had my share of fun i mean but at the same time i managed my pointer i managed my applications i knew how to manage time and that is something you should get used to as you proceed ahead in life because i mean at my stage i'm 23 right now it's really hard to manage time because of also having the additional component of maintaining your own house right now you're living in a hostel you can just leave it as you want to but a home should be a home right you're supposed to clean it or you're supposed to maintain a kitchen cooking um cleaning up and those things are also a part of your life along with um your job and managing academics and stuff so i mean try managing things and don't get carried away just having fun all the time um, we will keep all this in mind it was uh, it was great advice from you now your entire path that you mentioned in this podcast seems to have gone about pretty smoothly were there any obstacles that came in your way <laughs> all the time every single day of whatever experience i was taking it was always riddled with self doubt of whether what i'm doing right now will it serve my future any purpose or if i'm taking the correct decision of pursuing one particular thing um this i mean i think it's a part of growing and wanting to do well uh, no one person who wants to do well will never doubt themselves everyone will always keep questioning as to whether what they're doing is the right thing or not because that's how you continually keep making those course corrections to where you want to go from where you were initially going and um, it was it was not a smooth journey to be very honest it's still not a smooth journey and i mean life in general is characterized by that life really doesn't get easier you as a person have to get more resilient so i just feel it may seem at the time that what you're doing may not be worthwhile but i mean i did things like being a content writer for one of the companies i volunteered in an ngo i kind of did content um, writing and creation for one media company and i did all these things again this is with alignment to my principle of dabbling in multiple things and just seeing if you are um, liking it or not and that's something i did to build my profile i mean for my first internship at mahindra i just had uh, my team velocity experience and my content writing experience to say in the interview and that got me through right in my interview with iit guwahati with the professor that i worked with i had to say about team velocity my content writing and also the mahindra and mahindra internship so that mahindra kind of was a new component now for my reliance retails internship interview i had all these things that i had done before that including iit guwahati to say to my reliance retail employer now for my grad ad- admissions some of the colleges had interviews to get admissions i cracked most of my interviews but the question was what did you do in your undergraduation and i had all these different things to say and i also told told them about the point of content creation and working as a content writer for that media company and they were really impressed because life is not just about academics it's also about a multitude of different things that you want to do right so it plays some purpose somewhere 
my internship in Reliance Retail, which was not even an internship technically, it was just me going to and learning from um, the company. And it was a pain. It was a struggle. I doubted myself as to whether, you know, my friends were chilling before going for their master's or going for their job. Any other person would not have done that. But then I wanted to go that extra mile and it helped me crack my Tesla interview, right? So at that time, I doubted myself when I was going for this um, Reliance Retail doing a four-hour journey every day and my parents kind of did not want me to go because they wanted their son to stay at home because I was going for grad school very soon but I was like no I want to experience that I want to learn I did that and it got me to where I am today and I mean the journey doesn't stop with my Tesla experience I need to aim for a full-time job and with that full-time job obviously there's no there's no staying at one place you will aim for a better position or a better job somewhere down the line right so I would say just take whatever you're doing, keep learning, keep working harder, and someday it's going to be useful. You may never know. That's a great um, career advice. I think all of us are relieved to us to some point that not everyone has their entire path cleared out from the beginning, and we have chances to explore. I personally feel I think as a society we need to stop enforcing on people to know what they want to do because it's completely fine not to know what you want to do or where you want to go because every great person was once a student like you and they didn't know where they wanted to go or they had self-doubt and self or belief issues as well and regardless of that they keep kept ex- experimenting they kept um doing or putting in the work and they reached where they are today um, another thing you emphasized on greatly throughout this thing was networking and um, you do seem quite active on LinkedIn. So could you give us some tips on how you went about? All right. So in India, you go to your final year, you have your career placements where companies come to the college and you might have multiple stages of interview and uh, that's how you land a job. Ask yourself this question, Richard, five years later, if you want to change your job and you are in India, let's assume, what are you going to do? So networking is what comes into play here. So you will contact your friends or you'll try to make new connections of people working in companies that you want to work in. And you will try to basically get a referral. In the US, that's not how it works. Companies don't come to your college. You are supposed to approach companies through platforms like LinkedIn or through their uh, career website. So you use LinkedIn, you form connections in companies with people working in the roles that you want to target for, and you try to build a relationship. A referral is a very important aspect because if I refer you, it means that I trust you. Because if the company hires you and you mess up your job later, which costs the company a lot of money, I will look bad because I am the person who referred you. So so referrals are very personal and you can't just barge in and ask referrals from anyone. You need to first form a relationship. And that is like the tough aspect of networking is, and again, referrals don't guarantee the job itself. It guarantees, it doesn't even guarantee an interview, but if you get an interview, it's up to you to make the interview count to getting a full-time job. So, I mean, for graduate students, right off after college, you are supposed to network on LinkedIn. So it's a better way of um, getting interviews because online applications have thousands of applicants. It's really difficult to see from a pile of thousand resumes or it's really difficult to make your resume stand out so yeah i think that's when networking plays a really important role okay so that again that cleared out quite a bit on how the placement and job work now uh, as you know that our podcast is called career brew so what do you think was the perfect career brew for you 
that one thing or that one step that defined your entire life to be honest teacher i don't think there is one thing i mean it's trying different things out and experimenting with a lot of things to get to so i mean like a brew like you mentioned you kind of try to find the correct combination right but the only difference is with life you don't know what the correct combination is until you kind of reach a point so i mean um quoting steve jobs from one of his famous um commencement speeches i think it was in stanford it's a very famous video and he kind of um, proposed the idea of looking back at your life and connecting the dots and he said that because he knew that you cannot look into the future and know where you want to go um with a 100% certainty all the time you may have a vision that is good but then you will not know whether you will reach that because of the uncertainty life presents to you but he said looking back at your life if you can take those individual notes and connect it um and make sense of your life and take that and use that as a guiding light to get to your future i think that's the most wise use of your um, reflection power that is a great thing that you shared with us thank you so much akshay for talking with us today it has been great we had an amazing time listening to your journey and it has been really insightful and helpful for all of us throughout our journeys that we are going to partake thank you so much no thank you guys for inviting me it was my pleasure and um, it's always great to talk with students from vnit and um, i'm always fascinated to see the drive in you guys and i mean you guys are the future of the college and the world so i mean kudos to you for starting this initiative and i hope you get more guests and gather more insights for um, kind of passing on the knowledge to all the other students of the campus so yeah thank you once again for inviting me all of you guys Thank you.